At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and spoilers for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell, man, how you doing tonight? A little congested, but uh, other than that, I'm, I'm feeling it. Man, you're still, uh, still struggling, huh? Dude, I can't shake this thing. Like, I, I don't feel bad per se anymore, but like, I, I'm so stopped up and all congested and gross and stuff. Oh, that'll do it, man. When you get hit with the Captain Cold gun. Oh, snap. I got a Captain Cold, that's for sure. <laughs> well, man, uh, hoping that you pull through. I want you to have a very good Thanksgiving. Of course, as we record this live on Wednesday night. Yes, that's right. Wednesday night, the night before Thanksgiving. Bell, let me go ahead and extend to you a very warm and happy Thanksgiving. Well, thank you. I would like to extend one as well, but I don't care for you that much. Now, that doesn't sound like you. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Ha- happy Thanksgiving to you as well, sir. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. And, of course, and ha- to your new exploding family that you have. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. we. Um, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. We've got uh, all the family coming into town for the most part, and uh, we'll be enjoying some turkey. Of course, if you are as part of these United States, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. If you are not part of these United States, um, and you're part of Canada, then happy Thanksgiving, I think like a month ago or something like that. Is it Canadian Thanksgiving? I think it's like, um, like last month, right? I I have no idea. Uh, yeah, no, there's, there's totally a Canadian Thanksgiving. There we go. Yeah. I, I I had no idea. I I will be, I will be quite honest. All right. Well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Real Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Flash CW fans saying it was last month and it was the real Thanksgiving. So it's a great time for uh, friends and family to get together and uh, reflect on what we're thankful for. And, man, today we are very thankful uh, for this awesome television show, The Flash. want to let you guys know that we're thankful for you as well. And if you would like to, uh, you can help us make this show happen. We've got two ways for you to do that. For one thing, we've got a brand-new sponsor. If you head over to audibletrial.com slash flash right now, you can get yourself a free audio book, and that's what we want you to do. But beyond that... We got some other stuff going on right now. We are in the midst of our fundraising season here at uh, the Pottery Network that we are proud to be a a, uh, a show of a member of. And uh, hey, we need your help making this podcast happen. And Bell and I have talked, and we've got something that we want to do for you guys. So here's the deal. Right now, we have a goal of getting three hundred dollars a month as far as our commitment goes over on our Patreon account. Actually, if you head over to flashtvtalk.com right now, you can click on the support button. And that'll take you to our Patreon account. You can send us some dollars, commit to giving us some dollars every single month. And if we hit our goal of $300 every single month, 
we are going to bring you something that you have been asking for for a long time. Bell, tell them what it is. So, a lot of you guys like this other show that's on TV. Uh, I think it's called uh, uh, like something about an arrow. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, well, as you guys know, The Flash uh, has been extended for a full season, but that full season doesn't cover the entire year. Nope. So, what we're thinking about doing is... Drum roll, please. In the Flash offseason, we will have Arrow TV Talk. That's right. So you have demanded it. That is something that we're putting together right now. If we hit our goal of $300 a month at the by the end of the year, we will begin the Arrow TV Talk podcast. We will start at the beginning and catch Bell up. Uh, you know, this will be a great chance for uh, him to actually find out what's going on. And uh, also, it gives us some time to catch up on the series because that needs to happen as well. So, you guys have demanded it. We have it in the works. If you want to see it happen, head on over to flashtvtalk.com right now. Click support. Send us a couple of dollars every single month. And if we hit that goal of 300, we are going to make that happen for you guys. Absolutely. All right, man. So, that is the top of the show. But, man, we've got an awesome episode to talk about with blackouts. So, let's jump into the rundown. The rundown. <laughs> Episode 6, Power Outage, directed by Larry Shaw and written by... Allison Schapker and Grainy Godfrey. Yeah, Godfrey. Bell, tell us what happened this episode. So, Dr. Wells returns to a secret room where it is revealed that he has been documenting Barry's growing abilities and using his computer to look at events in the future. Barry arrives at a crime scene where the victim was murdered via electrocution and charred behind or beyond all recognition, suggesting a metahuman was involved. While investigating the victim's identity, the team identifies a power drain in the city. And when Barry arrives, he is attacked by Farouk Gibran, a man who has the ability to siphon electrical energy. The attack drains Barry of his speed, and when Wells checks his secret computer, it is revealed that there's no references to Barry Allen or The Flash in the future. Wells believes that Barry's body just needs an electrical jumpstart, and Farouk arrives at the lab while the team is attempting to help Barry. The process does not appear to work, but Wells quickly realizes that Barry's problem is psychological. When Farouk catches up to the team and Dr. Wells' life is in danger, Barry overcomes his fear, connects to his, uh, connects to his speed on a cellular level, and stops Farouk. Later, Dr. Wells takes a sample of Farouk's blood to determine how he was able to absorb Barry's abilities. Man, I am so thrilled to be talking about this episode. A lot happened here. A lot of revelations. They are starting to get closer and closer to uh, some big things, especially in terms of the, uh, the H.D. Wells character. But, uh, man, right off the bat, I got to say... The whole concept of the hero losing his abilities by way of lightning or electricity, I suppose, in the middle of a power plant is like almost completely and totally just ripped out of an episode of Smallville. <laughs> like almost in like it's it's the episode where and I can't remember what it was called or anything, but I do remember it's um, Iceman, uh, Sean Ashmore, right? Uh... Iceman from uh, X-Men. Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, so it was his little brother, or maybe big brother, but one way or the other, his brother played a character on Smallville where he was able to, basically holding kryptonite, getting struck by lightning or struck by electricity, was able to take Clark's powers. So there was a lot, that vibe was pretty strong here. At first I was getting a strong Amazing Spider-Man 2, Jamie Foxx vibe, and then when everything started going down, I was like, nope, this is ripped straight from Smallville. Yeah, I haven't seen that Smallville episode, so I had no problems there but i do want to say this though great flash episode or greatest flash episode um i'm gonna go with great flash episode and that's a good question to ask every single episode mr like, Bell. 
Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm going to say this is my favorite thus far. Really? Yeah. Okay. There, there's pretty. There's one. I mean, I hate to even call it a problem, but there's one pretty big, glaring uh, plot problem in this episode. But we'll get to that later. Let's just go ahead and start off with talking about H.G. Uh, Wells. I mean, we do in a kind of a weird twist. We actually start off with H.G. Wells in the future room. Yeah, <laughs> the future room. I like that. Typically, they save that for the end of the uh, end of the series. But but here we see or end of the episode. Uh, but here we see him actually going in, talking to this AI called Gideon, and logging the accounts of what's going on with Barry. Yeah, it's it's kind of neat. He's got little like you know dragon voice, naturally speaking, thing going on. So, any thoughts about Gideon? Gideon, I don't know. Like, I I needed to do some research instead of uh, doing research on like a couple things that I noticed from the episode. I just rewatched it again because that was more fun. Yeah. And uh, so I never got a chance to really look into Gideon and who is this Gideon character. So I, I I have nothing on that. All right. So there's a lot of different things that we could potentially take from this. Of course, Gideon, uh, Gideon is uh, he was an Old Testament judge. Uh, he the name Gideon means destroyer in Hebrew. Okay. But what may be a little bit more relevant is there was a DC Comics character named Gideon and he was a new god and he would and more specifically he was like a very fringe new god. Oh, okay. This Gideon is not like all of the everything that I just described except for the destroyer thing. We're talking male. This Gideon voice was clearly female. Yeah, yeah. It was was Gideon I guess yeah. I don't know that's kind of weird interesting yeah i think so so that, that leans me closer to uh if, if you know because obviously you don't name your artificial intelligence gideon if not for a reason yeah i mean those kind of names like that, that have a lot of uh, biblical names things like that have a lot of meaning behind them right uh you, yeah you don't just kind of slap those names on because you think they're cool exactly and so it's got me thinking i mean if if we're talking female i don't think this is the new gods thing a lot of people are actually pulling from that and uh, and attaching that to the theory that H.G. Wells is, in fact, a new god. I don't think that's it. Now, there is also, some people are saying that this future AI lends to the credibility that perhaps H.G. Wells is some sort of evil booster gold. Evil booster gold? Well, I mean, whoever it is is going to be evil. But booster gold actually had an AI sidekick named Skeets. And Skeets was, <laughs> he was the artificial intelligence that managed this museum and uh, basically had all of this knowledge on the future. And so when Booster Gold goes back in time with Skeets, Skeets can kind of constantly tell him who people are or who they'll be and, and whatever data he has based on his knowledge of the future. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And so, I mean, immediately that's what kind of jumped into my mind. Now, Skeets, of course, um, well, I, I was about to say Skeets is, is more of a male, but at the same time, Skeets is an AI, and I guess in my head it's always been a male. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I well, guess- I think AIs choose to to uh or, or prefer to choose their own uh not sexuality i guess what will do choose their sex i guess so but um, what i'm saying though is that when you're reading a comic book if it's <laughs> yeah. an ai like a very specific like floating ball ai um there's no real definition right i mean it could be male or female in terms of voice of course yes it's, it's not going to be booster gold because yeah. booster gold's <laughs> not a murderer exactly but uh, as far as if, you know, Booster Gold has the same kind of technology in the future, it's, you know, sure, this could be some kind of AI that, uh, you know, Harrison's bringing it back and is going to do a similar function as, as Booster's uh, skeets. Right, right. So that's Gideon, man. I, I mean, there's not, I really, I don't know. The, at, the funny thing is the more we learn about H.G. Wells, the more questions they come with that actually rather than answers. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like Gideon is one of those questions rather than an answer. I, though I will say, we do now have kind of a better understanding of how time travel works in this universe. So it's, yeah, because it, it's clearly not a split timeline. Right. Now, that's what I thought. I thought we were existing in an entire alternate universe. That's kind of what I went into uh, last week. But if, if Gideon is able to see the future then this is all part of the exact same timeline, yes? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it, Time travel gets really finicky, you know? It's, it's one of those things where, okay, so if there's like an infinite number of timelines, right? it could be that Harrison Wells and Gideon are in a timeline that is existing parallel but in the future to another timeline, and he could just be looking across timelines to see, instead of actually looking into the future of that particular timeline. Right. Like, with time travel, you can explain away anything, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Sure, sure. But it it, it sounds like they came back, it's all one contiguous timeline is what it sounds like they're trying to establish. I think probably for the sake of our own sanity, it's better to go with what it seems like they're trying to establish. And if that's not the case, then they can explain it later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's where I'm going with this. Like I was speculating, you know, earlier that maybe it's different timelines and stuff like that, but now right. it seems like it's all one timeline and that's what they're trying to do. So I'm, I'm just going to roll with that. Yeah. Yeah. So another big revelation with all of this, apparently H.G. Wells, you know, we kind of had the thought that perhaps he wanted to stop the crisis, but it is quite clear that his intention is that the crisis does happen. He wants the future to stay intact, as he keeps on saying. Yeah, which is weird because, I, you know, every time, every episode, at least two or three times, my thoughts of who he is and what he's doing flip-flops. I know, right? <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, in this episode, it's that same thing where he's like, okay, cool, the future's still intact, the crisis is still happening, but Barry's involved, so everything's good. Like, uh, yeah, it's like, what is what is going on with this guy? All right, so a couple things I thought about after the, after the fact. There's, we never actually saw him looking at that newspaper until after Barry became the Flash, right? So we yes. don't necessarily know that the original future that he is from is the future where the Flash disappears. One might assume he comes from a future where the Flash doesn't disappear, where the crisis never happens. He comes back in time, makes the Flash, and sees that the crisis is is happening, which makes him happy. And then when he says the future is still intact, perhaps he's not necessarily talking about the future he came from, but the future that he wants to create. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so instead of him coming from the past to change his future, he came from an alternate future and wanted to build a new one. Right, essentially. But then again, I mean, that's the same kind of thing. Where well, not alternate universe, though, just an alternate, an alternate future of this timeline. Yeah, yeah. But if we're going with the one timeline theory, though... Well, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, what, what, what are we going with? I, I think... <laughs> I think establish that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think they... Uh, everything we've been led to believe is that there's one timeline. So I think it's probably best to go with that until we find out otherwise. So if there is one timeline, where is where would he be coming from with a different future? Okay, but that so his his all right. Hmm. I need to like draw it out. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing when you talk about time travel, and I love the joke they talk about in, in in Looper, where you know if we wanted to talk about time travel, we'd sit here for hours doodling on napkins and stuff, and that's basically what we could sit here and do. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, so I don't want to waste too much time on this, but at the same time, I feel like 
I mean, that's to some extent that's the show, right? I mean, it's not really, but but who the heck is Harrison Wells? That's not, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty big uh, component to this show. So, well, this new god bit. So, if 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 Gideon isn't a new god, could Harrison Wells be a new god? I mean, I see a lot of that, you know, being talked about in the chat and stuff like that. So, yeah, I there. Interesting theory. Interesting theory. There's actually some elements of H.G. Wells being a new god that I like. If you look at what we've talked about, how Arrow brings in a lot of Batman villains. It would be cool if Flash brought in some Superman villains. And New Gods, while they are not, you know, they're kind of their own thing, a lot of times New Gods are associated with Superman, uh, specifically because of his relationship with Darkseid. So I think that that would be really cool. That's pretty high concept, man. No, I know who he is. Okay. He's Metron. Well, that, that's what everybody, yeah, Metron is a New God. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm saying like Metron just sits in a chair. That's that's the only thing I'm basing this off of. That's the only thing anybody who says he's a new god is basing it off of. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. everybody will look around the DC universe and see who all is sitting in a chair, and that is who they think H.G. Wells is. If Professor Xavier was in the DC universe, everybody would think he was Professor Xavier. Well, how do you know he's not? <laughs> I mean, mind control, man. Uh, you, but what? He doesn't have... What are you talking about? Professor X does. Yeah, but but H.G. Wells doesn't. Well, if he's Professor X, he does. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And and, and Barry's actually Wolverine because he's got a healing factor. He does. Well, he but he lost it this episode. Let's go ahead. We'll we'll get back to H.G. Wells before this episode is done for sure. Let's go ahead and talk about the other characters in this show. Uh, Barry Allen, great to see him. Very, very spunky, getting into the role of the Flash. That scene where he gets mugged and he's like geeking out, like, really? Yes. How bad is your luck? That was Yeah, that, that was perfect. Like, that was absolutely perfect. And the great thing is, and I love this about him, when he meets up with everybody back at Star Labs, he's like, well, I got hung up or I got held up. And he starts yeah. giggling and they look at him like, well, you had to be there. <laughs> I love that, man, because I always make inside jokes with myself, too. And that's kind of socially awkward, but that's how I roll. And so it's cool to see Barry Allen rolling that way, too. Nice. Where was he coming uh, from? Where was what? When he got held up. Where was he coming from? Uh, the coffee shop. You know, the, the coffee shop was having like a really terrible line because they're training new people or something like that. Right. That's what and it so, was. Yeah. He just gets to the end and he's like, Whoop, all right, everybody's got coffee. <laughs> he's getting a little fast and loose with those powers. No, no pun intended. Yeah. But, but man, dude, I, I totally would do the same thing. Yeah. I guess the only way you could legitimately use your powers to skip in line is if you actually took care of everybody else's transactions in, in the meantime. Yeah, that's funny. He's taking money out of people's... Well, I guess he maybe he paid for it. No, you know? dude. Well, it, it looked to me like he pickpocketed everybody. Well, he, yeah. You, he and, doesn't know what they wanted. Like, he's just assuming that they all wanted coffee. Maybe somebody wanted a mocha. Maybe somebody wanted a latte. How on earth did he get that you know, Get that right? Because he's Professor Charles Xavier. I'm just saying... No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just it's saying... He, Wells, it's Barry who's Charles Xavier. He actually made that new barista's morning a living hell because he got everybody in the wrong order. Well, so here's the deal. All those people standing in line are going to be like, hmm, I got a coffee sitting here in line. I'm going to assume that Barry paid for it because I don't think he like went through everyone's pocket and made them pay for something that they might not have wanted. Uh, uh, just like I'm thinking that when Barry went into that store and grabbed those clothes and that was the pilot, all right, uh, right, right. he left money on the counter, definitely. So he, he's paying for all this stuff. Those people aren't going to be mad that they just got free coffee. Fair enough, fair enough. Just saying. Always, uh, that's good, man. That's good. But the, the whole concept is that Barry's starting to get a little cocky with his powers, uh, which mm-hmm. makes the fall from grace all that more hard when Blackout comes in, zaps him, and suddenly he no longer has access to the Speed Force. 
yeah, like how devastating would that be when you are essentially a god and you and, and, and it's basically the best thing that's ever happened to you and you love it and you love every second of it and then it's gone. The only thing I could kind of think of is it's kind of like when you're underwater and, you know, you're kind of flying around in water when you're swimming and uh, you feel weightless and then you get out of the pool and all of a sudden like the weight you know, kind of hits you and uh, especially if you've been, you've been in the pool for a long time. And your skin's all wrinkly, and, and you're like, eh, I want to go back in the pool, but you can't. Yeah. Because it's Adult Swim. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So Blackout comes in as a uh, power vampire and just is going around sucking all the electricity that he can after Harrison Wells. Now, Harrison Wells, um, because of the particle accelerator, he's deduced that he is responsible for everything that went bad with him, for the death of his friends, and he is out for revenge. Let me ask you this, Bell. The concept here, and we're getting into kind of the, the plot point that I was having a little bit of a di- some difficulty with. The concept is that they determine in order for Barry to get his powers back, he needs to be zapped with, by lightning or electricity mm-hmm. specifically. Yes. And the bad guy that he has to fight shoots out electricity. See, that, that's what I was thinking uh, at first was that, well, why not Barry just like stand out there and just get shocked by this guy? Yeah. But the idea is, is that when this guy – so. Uh, it's it's something almost like the flow of electrons is going uh, into Barry and then back out into him. So like he he has two beams that he's shooting, right? He's got the fire beam or the the, the, the kind of blast or whatever that he's shooting. Okay. And then he's got a beam where he's shooting to absorb stuff. Right. So it could just be that he's shooting him with the absorbing beam, like because that's what he wants to do. He wants to feed on it, but there's nothing there for him to feed on right now. Right. But that's the thing. So. If he was shot with the absorbing beam, I guess, okay, so I guess if the idea is that all people have electricity in them, um, he could still suck out that electricity if he wanted to hit him with the sucking beam. Well, yeah, because, you know, he when he got the taste of the of the uh, speed force, you know, he's like, I got to have more of that. And so when he sees Barry, he's not going to, like, blow him up and incinerate him. He's going to try to zap that energy out of him. I guess, but ultimately, I mean, what ended up happening is exactly what we thought was going to happen or, or what we felt thought that they should just go ahead and do, which was Barry gets zapped by the lightning and takes all of his powers back very much in that. And I hate this movie, but at the end of Ang Lee's Hulk, where he's like, you know, you want the power, take it, take it all, you know? Yeah. And actually not only absorbs his own power, but gets supercharged by taking all of the lightning, taking all of the power out from, uh, from blackout and then kind of releasing it into the speed force. In fact, a lot of people I've seen online, uh, some people are saying this is really the first episode where Barry accesses the Speed Force. Now, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that there are moments, I think a, a big visual cue is when his eyes light up that he's really tapping into uh, a new level of the Speed Force than he has before. Because I think that's only happened like three times in the series. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I would say that the Speed Force works in mysterious ways. I think that he's he is, every single time he does what he does, he generates and is actually using the Speed Force it's just that he taps into kind of almost like a, a you know, whole nother level at, at certain times. Yeah. Now, were you saying that he absorbed the power from Blackout? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, remember at the end of it, Blackout loses it. He loses all of his power and dies. No, he gets overloaded. Wait, what? No, I thought he got. That's what Caitlin says. Caitlin says he, he absorbs too much energy and he just couldn't handle it and he dies. I thought, okay, see, I did not catch that because yeah, it looked as though. Oh, go ahead. Well, it looked as though the power was not only like did Barry absorb it, but then it was starting to actually go through him. Yeah, so it started out going through him, 
uh, and like he was siphoning off energy and then Barry tapped into the speed force and that's when everything started glowing orange or yellow. And uh, that's when like, you know, they both get down on their knees or whatever. And essentially at that point, what Barry's doing is he's channeling so much speed force energy that Blackout can't absorb it all. And so he just absorbs too much and just, it kills him. But he's not, okay, this is where I'm getting confused. Hang on. I'm actually going to pull up the episode so I can see this happen again. All right. This is where I was, this is where I'm getting confused because it appeared as though he, cause I would, I would think that if he couldn't handle it, he would have exploded rather than look like the power went out inside of him. Yeah. But somebody's already exploded when they died. And so they couldn't do that again. <laughs> Too many times. Yeah. All right. Well, while I'm uh, looking this up, let's talk really quick about Girder. So, yeah, like that was, I was, you know, we talked about this last episode where it's like, okay, well, what are they getting? This guy now knows Barry Allen's secret identity. Right. Or the Flash's secret identity. And the Flash had a real hard time stopping him. So what happens when he gets out? (laughs) H.G. Wells kind of making an interesting play there with uh, not only releasing Girder, but also doing so while standing up. Yeah. Yeah. Two things that are kind of weird. And and, and, uh, I think that has a lot to do with his line about having a calculated risk. Because yeah, yeah, he, he you know he's sitting there. Girder's like, well, what what makes you think I won't kill you? And he's like, that's calculated risk. And I think he's saying that in reference to you couldn't kill me if you tried. Yeah. Okay. That now that gets into uh, that uh, that may be the that may be the case. It's still, like, I, I but why why, why he, would you do that? Like he did he need to be standing up to release him? Well, no, I think it's like maybe because you know he didn't want the chair hampering him if something did go haywire or whatever. Could be. Could be. And, and maybe also because he knew the guy was going to his death, so what did he care? Ah, uh, no, I think that's probably more accurate. Okay, hang on. I've got the scene pulled up here. You see the energy go in. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. So what ends up happening, it looks like he blasts him. The energy goes through Barry. Barry seems to absorb it and then almost shoots it right back out at him. And then it goes back into blackout. Blackout starts glowing, overloads, and dies. Yeah, black, the, yeah, that whole time Blackout's trying to absorb that energy. So he's shooting those absorption feelers out or whatever. And then he grabs Barry, and then Barry just, you know, turns on the, you know, picks up the picante sauce, basically, and just speed forces him to death. <laughs> Is that a thing? Can that be a thing now? To speed force someone to death? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll allow it. Interesting thing, though. I mean, I mean, obviously this wasn't Barry's intention to kill him. Yeah. But yeah, it, that, that that's what Caitlin was saying, though. You know, after he died, he was like, you know, it's almost as if he choked on you. Uh, like, Barry didn't want that to happen, but it was kind of a side effect of him just dumping so much energy into him. Right. So after he got zapped by Caitlin and the, the cosmic treadmill, that's really when he got his powers back. And what was holding him back, and I love this reference to Wally West, but it was a mental hang-up. Yeah, a good little addition there. You know, I thought they were actually going to use the cosmic treadmill in a bit of a different way. Since they had so many references to the future room... And since the treadmill ended up playing kind of a crucial part, I was kind of under the assumption that Barry would need to actually run while this was going on and might actually get some sort of glimpse of the future or might phase out of time and into the future really quick and see something that was about to happen. I don't know. Yeah, I I totally thought they could have done, you know, something other than just like run electricity through it to shock him. Right. Uh, Because I, yeah, or or early, if they're going to go through the trouble of using the cosmic treadmill, uh, they might as well make it do something cooler than him just grabbing it and then getting shocked. So H.G. Wells makes the power play. He, once he starts to realize that this is a mental hang-up, that's when he actually puts himself in jeopardy, specifically having Blackout target him. 
uh, so that Barry will have to go and save him. Like he's he's faced with a choice: either I let H.G. Wells die, or I tap into the Speed Force. I tap into my power, and I go and save the day. Now, right before he does, Blackout does blast H.G. Wells, and he had some pretty quick reflexes to jump out of that chair. Did you notice that? I watched the scene twice, and I couldn't. Well, I watched it, you know, once in the original, and then I rewound it and watched it twice the second time I saw it. And that's exactly what I was looking for. Is I was looking for some kind of, you know, really quick movement or any kind of like hint of of, of speed force activity or anything like that. Right. I didn't really see anything, but you're absolutely right. He did move really, really fast for a guy that, you know, can't use his legs. I don't know. I don't know if there's something there or not, but uh, did find that pretty interesting. The head-to-head that Barry and HG had in this episode where I don't this was the first time I realized that Barry knew just how morally gray Harrison is. Yeah, yeah, because he seemed really hurt by uh, the fact that he'd be willing to sacrifice somebody to save them. What, what amazes me is actually that Harrison would actually go in to say, look, I don't share your morals. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he, I, it's almost like the facade is just not even there in that moment. He is, whoever he is in the future room, Whoever he is while he's stabbing people, that's who he was in that moment with Barry. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of what Barry needed, you know? I, well, is it is it that or is it that he was so disappointed that his plans were ruined that he was just venting his frustration? Oh, that's an interesting idea. Because, you know, he freaked out when he saw the future paper, you know, had no, and the future itself had no mention of Barry Allen, which means that uh, the Flash not only, not only, not only does the crisis not happen, but the Flash is no longer relevant in the future. Yeah, and, and all those people that he's killed has been in vain. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, that's it. okay. That's interesting. All the people that he's killed. Do you think that he has some remorse about the people that he's killed? Uh, no, because he, he comes across as he's doing this for Barry, and this is all for Barry. And I don't think he feels any remorse right now, but when Barry lost his powers, that's when that, you know... I don't. I don't think he'd say. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't go as far as say he's guilty, but he made the wrong choice, I guess. And so that's coming back to sort of not necessarily haunt him. I, you know, I honestly don't feel he cares that he killed the people. Well, except, but except here's for the that, thing. You know, he he makes that ploy when when blackout saying, you know, do you even know who they were? And he goes and he starts listing off the names of all the people that died in the particle explosion. Yeah. And not only did he mention, you know, this guy's friends and Firestorm. He also mentioned a couple of big names in the DC universe. Ah, see, I missed those. Yes. Okay, so let me pull those up because I want to make sure that we are specific. All right, so the names that um, he brings up, the list that he brings up, a couple of names that jumped out. One was Ralph Dibney. Now, Ralph Dibney is also known as the Elongated Man, who, um, if you're not familiar with who that is, you may be actually more familiar with Plastic Man. The two characters are very similar in terms of plastic set. Plastic set. Plastic set. <laughs> Power sets. Um, but Elongated Man is an interesting character because of the role that he and more specifically his wife played in a huge graphic novel, a huge storyline called Identity Crisis. And essentially, I don't want to spoil that, that book, but um, he goes through some pretty, pretty heavy tragedy. I'll just put it that way. That face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one is uh, Al Rothstein, if I'm pronouncing that right. Al Rothstein, who is also known as the Golden Age Adam. Um, and I think he becomes known as Adam Smasher. 
I'm not as familiar with that particular character. Uh, okay. Okay. And then there's also, uh, he also mentions Grant Emerson, who is known as Damage. See, that name sounds familiar, but I don't think it's, I don't think I recognize it from the comics. Okay. Which one, Damage or Grant? Uh, Grant Emerson. Okay. Um, B. DaCosta. Now, B. DaCosta is actually known as a um, character by the name of Fire. And she hurt. She's a light, a lot like the Human Torch, actually, except she's green. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. I don't think I'm missing one. Let me check in the chat real quick and see if uh, there's any others. <laughs> so yeah. So here's the question, Bell. With all these characters that have just been mentioned, do you think that they really died in the particle explosion, or is this actually the creation of some future heroes? Uh, well, H.G. Wells knows the future, so only he really knows for sure. But. If I were to guess, if they're if they're name dropping these names and these are actual names in the DC universe, then chances are that they may try to do something with them in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Look, that's the great thing about this series. If they drop Easter eggs, if they kind of write these little checks, they're going to cash them in at some point. So who knows? Who knows? The shadow knows. All right. So that's kind of the A plot. Let's talk about the B plot. Or as I like to call it, Iris to the rescue. <laughs> Yeah, dude, Clock King, that dude is an amazing actor. Like, I, I know, that, man. Yeah. I told you you were going to love him. Yeah, super, super good. Now, he, that, was he a reoccurring villain in Arrow, or has he only been... Uh, <sighs> you know, that's a good question. I know he was in one monumental episode. He may have been in more than that, but I do know that he left a mark. Clock King was, for my money, one of the best rogues, or Arrow rogues, if you will, that we've actually seen on that series. Yeah, he did a phenomenal job. Really creepy, too. The sad thing, I guess, is that a lot of us thought, I mean, you and I both definitely did, that he would actually be going up against the Flash. Yeah, like I thought, you know, that might have been something that would instigate the whole Flash-Arrow rivalry mm. for the next episode, but apparently no. Yeah, we'll I, talk a little bit more about that in spoilers, but uh, yeah. So he comes in, he takes everybody hostage in the midst of this power outage, um, and He's really, you know, he's, he's got all these demands. He's a, uh, you know, he wants vegan food because vegetarians are all evil. Apparently, according to the media. <laughs> That's according to Clock King. He wants a, what do you say, a vegetarian or a vegan burger or something like that? Yeah, a vegetarian meal. Right. A helicopter and like a laptop with 50 gigabytes of RAM. Is that what he said? Yeah, 50 gigabytes of RAM. <laughs> that is a lot of RAM. Well, what do you think Especially he Especially for a laptop. He wanted to play uh, Warlords of Draenor. He wanted to play, uh, you know, get the get the best possible stuff out there. On max settings. Yeah. Maybe he wanted to play Assassin, like the new Assassin's Creed game, but like, since it's so terrible, you have to have a lot of RAM to play it. Oh, everybody's saying he asked for eight gigs. Did he ask for eight gigs? <laughs> I thought he said fifty. See, the Clock King would know. He would not make these kind of mistakes. He knows his numbers. That's true. All right, so he takes over the place, gets everybody down. Everybody murders two cops. Murders two cops. I mean, he is a killer, dude. Yeah. Um, everybody thinks that it's the worst and all things are, are going to, you know, everybody's going to die because the Flash isn't coming. But no worries, because pretty Eddie to the rescue. Yeah, like, <laughs> Papa Joe's sitting there. He's like, no, 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 not now. Yeah, I love that, man. Them uh, kind of, the way, I guess it's just because they've been partners for so long, but the way they can kind of communicate so subtly. Yeah, yeah. No, that was really cool. I, I liked how they did that. But another thing that was interesting is like this. This is this is what gets to me about the whole thing. So at, at first, 
Uh, Papa Joe's like, no, don't go. They see an opportune moment. Uh, Papa Joe tells uh, Eddie to go take it. He takes it. Clock King's got a bulletproof vest on, turns around, pops Eddie. The, the scene transpires, and then Clock King's going to go take Iris to go be a hostage on the helicopter. Now, do you think that Papa Joe and uh, Eddie orchestrated the whole take the gun thing, or is that just a solely Eddie thing? I think it was both of them. If you look at the look on Papa Joe's face when he and Iris look at each other eye to eye, he's like, he, he knows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he knew... Like, all right, so he was saying, you know, let her say goodbye, let her say goodbye. And so I don't think they orchestrated it, but I think he knew that Eddie would pick up on this opportunity and tell Iris what to do. Yeah, because, like, I couldn't tell if he was doing that because he generally or, or genuinely thought that Eddie was going to die or because he was trying to orchestrate a plan to use Iris to to save them. Yeah. I loved it, man. The The important thing, though, and this is really, really very important. Iris was the hero. She's the one that saved the day. And I'm so happy because I am so sick of damsels in distress. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I wanted them to show her, like, kicking his butt. <laughs> well, personally. At, at the same time, you know, she she's not she's not actually a fighter herself. So, you know, you I, I don't want unrealistic characters. But I do want characters that are equipped and can take action when action needs to be had. And, dude, I am so, so happy that it decided to go this route with the B-plot line. And even though I'm disappointed that we didn't get a chance to see Clock King versus The Flash, I am very, very happy that he got taken down by Iris. Go Flash Riders for not doing the stupid damsel in distress trope. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so Iris saves the day. That's pretty much the B-plot. I do hope that in the future we will uh, get a chance to see Clock King uh, come back and, and square off with uh, with Barry. But um, in the meantime, we got bigger fish to fry with next week's episode we'll talk about that and more in spoilers but first let's talk about all the crazy flash news happening with newsflash newsflash man we got a ton of news to talk about tonight uh some very big news let's first start off with some super news if you haven't heard already supergirl looks like she very well may be sharing a universe with a flash and arrow Interesting. So does this mean that they're going to introduce her in Flash and or Arrow? It's possible, although my guess is probably not. Um, the whole super, I mean, obviously the, the supernatural elements, the superheroic elements that metahumans are, is something that we have now grown accustomed to in-universe. But Supergirl is an extraterrestrial, and that's taking things to a whole other level. Uh, my hope is that they launch her on her own without doing a backdoor pilot. My guess is, since... The, what we've heard about the series thus far seems to be happening, not necessarily in a bubble, but but in its own corner. That's probably how it will fit itself into the universe. Yeah, so this is interesting news, though, because what does this do to our Trinity? Well, okay, so we've talked about this, right? We, we've been hoping for a third uh, Trinity member of this. I mean, again, don't want to call it a sub-Trinity, but in this universe, in a world where there does not appear to be a Batman or a Superman you have Arrow and Flash stepping up to take those roles. So if you carry that onto the full Trinity, in a world without a Wonder Woman, who steps up to be that third tier, that third member of the Trinity? Now, we had been hoping and speculating that it would be somebody with magic abilities, but maybe the focus is less about the magic and more about you know, the, uh, the femme fatale, so to speak, the, uh, having, having a warrior woman. And I think Supergirl, you know, a lot of, in a lot of ways, she's an ancillary character, but this actually gives her a chance to be her own, uh, her own girl, woman, super person. You know what <laughs> I mean? 
Yeah, you know, it also gives them a chance to bring in some really cool super uh, Superman villains that you wouldn't normally see otherwise. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Now, the big question, of course, is still what is her role in this universe, right? Is she the cousin of Kal-El? And if so, is Kal-El on this planet? Um, that gets into some other news that we found out. Uh, IGN reporting that uh, Kreisberg said, I don't think you're going to be hearing Gotham or Metropolis on Arrow and the Flash anytime soon. So the the notion is that with the movies happening, with all these different series happening, there are some ground rules. And, and apparently the Arrow-Flash universe is not to touch Gotham or Metropolis. And one would take that to its extreme, Batman or Superman. Yeah, makes me sad. But Why? you know, Why does that make you sad? I don't know. I think it'd be cool to kind of see these characters. At the same token, like I really think they're great. And uh, I like what they have right now. But, you know, there's always that little, you know, nerdling inside of you that wants to see Batman come hang out with Green Arrow and the or not. Green, I guess almost said Green Lantern uh, with Green Arrow and the Flash. OK, and, uh, granted. And, and, you know, this is not necessarily a Batman and Superman don't exist in this universe, but it's more of they're not going to Metropolis. They're not going to Gotham and they're not going to mention those things. And I got to tell you, man, I'm actually that's that's fine. Like Star City and Central City. These are two locations that are generally kind of shoved to the back of the DC universe. Everything always takes place in Gotham or Metropolis. Um, if you go and play DC Universe online right now, when you start off, those are the only two cities that you can go to. Huh. Like, well, it's kind of like in every Hollywood movie how you know it's either New York or Los Angeles that gets destroyed. Granted, but if the idea is that we want to take a look at different locations in this world, these are two good places to do it. And we do have those analog characters to, to discuss in this world. Now, if we carry that through that Gotham and Metropolis are not going to be mentioned in this universe and we do have a Supergirl coming in, are we going to start off with her in Smallville or will she be somewhere else? Yeah. I mean, would they give her her own city? Would they start her in, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. That, that's an interesting question. My assumption would be that they'd start her in Smallville and maybe that they'll just use her as a surrogate Superman. Could be, could be. Um, I don't. Is there any other city that she associates with other than Metropolis, like in the in the comics? Nah, not that I can think of. Yeah. You know, I I just I think this is an opportunity to do some cool things with Supergirl, right? I mean, I don't think that not having these other players in the picture is a crutch so much as it is an opportunity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I, I can definitely agree with that. So who knows? They could. Um, Maybe her ship doesn't land in Smallville. Maybe it actually lands, um, I don't know. In Soviet Russia, and it's like Red Sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Red Daughter. That'd be interesting. Red, Red Daughter, yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, so so let's just see where they take it. But I'm excited about Supergirl, and I do think uh, being a little bit more forthcoming about the limitations, quote-unquote limitations that are put on the Flash Arrow universe, helps us to understand and process where the series is going to go. And I know what you're saying. You're a little sad to hear that. Don't look at this as a, uh, you know, don't look at this as a hindrance. Look at it as an opportunity. Because I, yeah, I guarantee no, yeah, yeah. that's how the creators of these shows, that's how they're looking at it. Oh, yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you on that. It, it, it's, it only means for better Flash and better Arrow TV. Yeah. But uh, it's, you know, like I said, it's just one of those nerd things where it's like, I think it'd be really cool to see them all together on TV. But. Oh, and we'll, you know, we'll have, there'll, there'll be plenty I mean, gosh, every single time that Flash comes on, there's it's chop full of nerd things. There, there's plenty of that to go around. True, true, true. 
All right, so speedforce.org posted a poll, who is Harrison Wells? And the results are in. Like, this was basically a fan polling. If you didn't see it, they um, started this a couple days ago. I thought this was really great. Bell, run us down the uh, the winners, the top four. Okay, in reverse order, with 11% of the vote, uh, that would be the other category. And, and there's nothing specifically that it says in here, but some of the write-ins were Abracadabra, Hunter Zolomon, Pariah, Cobalt Blue, Slash Malcolm Thawn, uh, The Monitor... Metron, bunch Could of stuff anybody. in there. Yeah, so that was number four. Those were the write-ins and stuff. Number three, with 15% of the vote, was exactly who he says he is, i.e. an original character. So <laughs> there's nothing special about him. He's not a character. He's just H.G. Wells. That's who he is. And he can time travel, which is neat. <laughs> Next is a future Barry Allen with 16% of the votes. Now, this is interesting. We've talked about this, but uh, the number one who is Harrison Wells poll from speedforce.org was, drumroll, <laughs> reverse flash with 41% of the vote. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's that's like an overwhelming majority from everything else. Yeah. And it's kind of it's what we think. It's it's uh, it seems to be what everyone else thinks, too. <laughs> Uh, there was talk over at uh, Den of Geeks. They had an article about this character of the Reverse Flash. You know, we, we're starting to hear some things about, um, you know, the man in the yellow suit, and we won't go too heavily into that. Um, but they said that the obvious choice for who the Reverse Flash is is Rick Kosnett's character of Eddie Thawne. Now, I think probably to the most casual of fans, that might be the case, right? Um, you know, with the Thawne name, they might be familiar with that, or they might understand or have been told that he is supposed to be the Flash's villain. So mm -hmm. I, I guess I can understand that. But it's a, they say that even Grant Gustin was surprised. He says, All right, here we go. Uh, anyone who thinks they know what's going on is wrong. I'm in the inn, and I thought I knew. Uh, but Andrew told me, and I was like, holy crap. Okay, here's the thing about this. So he says everybody who thinks they know is wrong. He didn't see it coming at all. I love Grant Gustin. But he's not like a longtime Flash fanboy. That's true. He would have thought it was Eddie Thawne. I but, think this confirms that it's H.G. Wells. Otherwise, he wouldn't be so shocked about who it was. Unless it's like Iris. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, you know, it's uh, Papa Joe. Well, I mean, think of, think of who... Uh, the only other person that I can think of as a possibility is Papa Allen. And I've actually seen that theory every once in a while pop up of the reverse flash is actually going to be um, his father. Really makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I have seen that pop up. Yeah, that yeah, like why would you? I what? don't know that that would that you'd have to explain a that they'd have to take the rest of the season to explain that. Right, like the rest of the season would just be Papa Allen sitting there explaining exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> like that's it. That's the rest. And then at the end, just from the jail cell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At the end, you're like, oh, I get it. Right. right. <laughs> Then it's season two, and we kind of pick up where season one left off. Yeah, or we're just kind of like, but wait, there was still holes in what you just said. Because like, you was there? were there. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, all right, so who, I mean, the reverse Flash, it's not Papa Joe, right? I mean, we can we can go ahead and assume that. Right? Well, unless Papa Joe is so fast that he was able to freak himself out by going so fast. <laughs> and like, you know, looking at himself, looking at himself stabbing the wall with yeah i'm right. going with that i'm yeah. going with that <laughs> no 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 so it's not it's not papa joe it's 
probably not going to be Iris. Otherwise, it would be called the woman in yellow instead of the man in yellow. Yeah. Um, it is. I'm going to go on a limb and say it's not vibe. That would be pretty shocking, but it's not vibe. It's That'd not going to be, gonna be Caitlin shocking. for the exact same reason that it's not going to be Iris and more so. Um, it's not going to be his dad because no, that's no, it's not going to be his dad. So who Unless are the two characters? Extremely- Why would he be shocked? The only person I can imagine that he would be shocked at is, oh my gosh, what if the reverse flash is Barry from the future? Uh, that would be a twist. That would be a twist. Hmm. So basically not H.G. Wells is Barry from the future, but the reverse flash is Barry from the future. Yeah, I think it just blew my mind. Why would he kill his own mom? Yeah, that's weird. I don't know. I yeah. Uh, look, H.G. Wells is the reverse flash. <laughs> he's gotta be he's gotta be he's gotta be if he's not i don't know we'll see (laughs) we'll see uh man more great hg wells theories and yeah no hg wells is very from the future the reason why the flash was missing is because hg wells went back in time to make the flash and so he's not there anymore (laughs) but he's back after like that's the thing if if what he does impacts the future oh yeah that's right so that that kills that theory in my mind i don't know all right man great uh great theories and uh hypothesize hypotheses and our listener feedback we've got christopher guzak who writes in saying hey guys i can't remember if you have discussed this theory on the show or not but let me run it by you I think there are going to be two reverse flashes. One, Harrison Wells, who is Eobard Thawne, and two, Eddie Thawne, who I think they will give a Hunter Zolomon storyline, a cop who is paralyzed by Gorilla Grodd. What do you think? Let me know. Thanks, Chris. Chris, I actually really love this. I had not thought of it at all until I read this, and I think you might be onto something. I like the idea of Eddie having more of the Hunter Zolomon storyline, and perhaps being, you know, being that that does occur, that might actually set him on a legacy path throughout his family to hate the Allens, which makes sense with kind of what we know of the Thons. Yeah, yeah. Maybe something where, you know, Grodd, uh, Grodd paralyzes him. Barry wasn't able to save him. He finds out that Barry, or that the Flash is Barry, hates the Allens, and bam. Yeah, plus, of course, we know that Barry's going to get the girl. That's true. So that's, uh, that's always a thorn in the, the villain's side very much so yeah i love i love that theory that's a that's a good one chris i I really do like that one next one up from rand kelly bell would you read that first part for me yep uh hey guys i love listening to your show and i think it's by far the best flash related podcast out there for the tv shows Uh, i have a bs in physics and i'm currently pursuing my master's in physics and i love the dc comic superhero in particular uh so when shows like this are out i love to analyze the physics behind it so far i love how they do uh how they throw in physics of what barry would need to do in order to overcome certain obstacles for example how fast he would need to run to cross over water and that he has such a high metabolism that alcohol affects him much less than normal non-meta humans uh, i'm actually writing this because i wanted to give my hypothesis on harrison wells uh no theory or uh, not theory as others mistakenly say <laughs> I, I like that the yeah we got a professor here, here. so <laughs> keep there we go. Listeners keeping us honest, you know? <laughs> That's good. That's good. Now, Rand actually proceeds to write out not a long email, but a thesis that dives into a pretty elaborate theory, but it does boil down to this. He says, I believe that DC Entertainment is keeping his identity such a big secret because he will be the link between the TV universe and the DC cinematic massive Crisis on Inf- Infinite Earths event. 
H.G. Uh, Wells is Barry Allen from the future that shares connections with the DC Cinematic Universe and the TV Universe. Um, he, hypo- he hypothesizes that H.G. Wells is from the DC Cinematic Universe where he comes back after the Crisis on Infinite Earths event, just like Jeff Johns' The Flash Rebirth, in order to make himself a better hero so that he doesn't die in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now, of course, this theory, or sorry, this hypothesis, was uh, was written out and sent in before this episode, so I think that might puncture some pretty big holes into it overall. Um, but I love this idea of a Crisis on Infinite Earths as a big crossover event in the movie slash TV. What do you think about that? Dude, that, that, yeah, that blows my mind. I love that idea because that's, that's the whole thing about DC is DC always has like these multiple universes. They've had like 15 million crisis events to rein in their innumerable universes. And if there's going to be a way to do it, this is the best way because you do have separate universes. You have Arrow and Flash in a universe. You know, you're going to have Constantine in a universe, uh, Gotham in a universe, and then you have your movie universe. And then if they talk about all that kind of stuff, they can just bring it all together in a giant crossover. How cool would that be? I think it would work out. I mean, I would love something like that. I really do. Like, um, that's like a super, super hardcore like hats off to the comic fans kind of thing. You know, it's one of those things, if, if X-Men can pull off a Days of Future Past, if Marvel can pull off an Infinity War, uh, maybe DC could pull off a Crisis on Infinite Earths. Here's my only thing with that. Right now, my faith in DC Entertainment overall just isn't there. I'm loving what I'm seeing on TV for the most part, but I just don't know about the longevity of the storylines they're telling. There are rumors that Constantine may be on the chopping block in the near future. Which um, makes me sad. It makes me sad as well. And also, we only have really seen the one movie as far as from this you know, new DC Cinematic Universe. I think I really need to see Batman versus Superman to know how well I can trust where they're taking things. Yeah, I agree. You know... Unfortunately, you saying that has brought me back down to the grim Sorry. reality. <laughs> I was super, super, super excited about that idea, and then I started thinking about the Marvel or the the DC Cinematic Universe, and I was like, "Wait a second, because well, the TV okay. is so solid." Now, here's the thing, though. Perhaps if, especially if they can kind of maintain Constantine, because I think that has that show has potential. But but if they can maintain these DC television series. I think they could possibly pull off a Crisis on Infinite Earths television event. Ooh, that would be amazing. That I would really, really, I would be more, I think there is probably some more validity to something like that happening. I think it would be really difficult because you're dealing with different networks and that gets a little, you know, uh, well, it gets difficult. But something like that would be incredible. Oh, dude, that would be, yeah, that would be a TV first and it'd be amazing. And it would make so much freaking money, these people. That's the thing. It, it, it has to make it have to open their eyes enough to, to, to the amount of money they could potentially make to make the studios not hate each other for right. like 30 seconds so they could, you know, hammer out a deal. Well, yeah. but this is, then where would you put it, right? Would you, would you put it on, you know, CW? Would you put it on... Uh... All networks all the time. <laughs> 24-hour event. All networks all the time. Well, no, what it would be is it'd be a multi-series event. You'd have an episode on each channel. So Fox would have an episode. Uh, that's making the that's making the viewers work. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd do it, but I just don't know if that would work. Well, so is the Flash Arrow crossover. No, it's not. That's a one night event. Yeah, but no, it's, it's a two night event. It's a one night event. There's two episodes over two nights. No, no, no. It was it was gonna be two episodes over two two nights, but now it's a one night event. Are you are you sure about that? Uh, you're making me doubt myself. Guys, I'm pretty sure it's two nights. I'm Dang pretty it. sure because it's Flash. 
there's an episode of the Flash and there's an episode of the Arrow. Dang it. It's not it's not two Flash episodes or it's it's one and one. I thought okay, so this is where I got confused because of the elections, how that kind of messed up the schedule. I thought that everything got reworked so that it was a two night event. Chat room is is coming in. I'm, I'm it was a one night event, but uh, the chat room of course is confirming your story that it is the Flash on Tuesday and Arrow on Wednesday. Yeah. So I mean, if they can do it there, and you know, networks are definitely going to take note at how well this is going to work. Then who's to say that they couldn't do that across multiple networks? Um. All right. I mean, hey, look, I'm I would love for that to happen. I think, like I said, I think that pulling off that storyline in the television universes, multiverse, if you will, that's probably the best way to do it. That's the, that's actually the place where I would like to see it happen because I'm so much more invested in the characters there. Um. So I'm all for it. I also want to mention that. The Rand who wrote in with this uh, this awesome theory is uh, at Quantum Quid on Twitter. He says, thank you for your time, guys. Uh, Rand, man, we really appreciate it. Love all the thought that you put into this theory. Um, I may post out his thesis. I, I'll, I'll get okay from him first before I do that, uh, just because it it's very well thought out. Um, though I do think that with the revelation that H.G. Wells actually wants the crisis, I think that kind of perhaps pokes a couple of holes in that theory. Yeah, now, so yeah, <laughs> excellent job, Rand. That's freaking awesome. Plus, he used the line, now here's the meat of the potato. And <laughs> that just made me happy. All right, man. So great theories and hypotheses all. We do not know yet who he is. Of course, you you know, you know where our thoughts lie. And I'm still open to a lot of possibilities. Maybe he, you know what? Maybe H.G. Wells is the anti-monitor. You never know. <laughs> you never know. I have a hero click of the Black Lantern anti-monitor. Maybe he is, who is the main um, Black Lantern? Uh, Necron. Necron. Maybe he's Necron. Uh, maybe he is. I got to tell you, with um, this is kind of weird, but uh, just with my obsession of Harrison Wells, it's got me going back and rewatching Scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> hey, little brother. And it's so crazy. He's like so different in those two shows. He he's definitely got an awesome range. Oh yeah, look, I I've never. Tom Cavanaugh, man, I respect you, buddy, because like you, you are a talented, talented actor. Those are two extremely different characters, and I believe you wholeheartedly in both the roles of the goofball and the psychotic mentor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, that—that's who. No, you know what? That's who H.G. Wells is. He's J.D.'s brother from Scrubs. That's exactly who he is. That's exactly who he is. Ah, I don't. Case solved. Now we know. No wonder Grant Gustin was so shocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well hey and like cisco's turk and then like barry's actually jd yeah well there you go there you go it's jd from the future yeah barry allen's just jd from the future <laughs> well hey if you enjoy flash tv talk and you enjoy the work that we do here you got to check out a web comic that we do called the brogues uh it's an awesome web comic the take the life of three failed supervillains talking about mirror bro cold bro and weather bro as they adjust to a new life of mediocrity. A lot of fun that we do over there. If you don't get what we're doing with that, then um, you're probably not that big of a Flash fan, which means you're probably not listening to the show. Yeah, because I'm... Uh, I don't know all that much about the Flash, and I can follow what's going on. <laughs> there you go. Uh, of course, if you want to keep up with us, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Flash TV Talk. And if 140 characters isn't enough to express the love for our show... Email us at flash at potastery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. And for the latest news and daily discussions on all things Flash, be sure to like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash flash TV talk. 
Also, check out our Parent Show panel to scream, where this week we review, uh, we actually do a rose-colored retrospective on Jonah Hex. Yeah, a lot of fun with that one this week. It was great. Also want to give very special thanks to both Mike Schmidt and Wu Kim who help us make this stuff happen. Mike Schmidt does our outro music. You can find all of his work at soundcloud.com slash Mike H. Schmidt. Uh, very happy to have Wu Kim back on his feet helping us out. When I looked into our show notes for this, uh, this particular episode and saw a nice long list, I got really, really happy. So uh, <laughs> glad you're feeling better, Wu, and uh, very glad to have you as part of the team. So stick around after the outro music for spoilers on next week's episode. But if you don't want to be spoiled, don't worry. We'll be back in a flash. Flash versus Arrow. You ready for this? Episode eight. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wish next week was right now. Holy, yeah, man. When they showed that preview for um, for Flash versus Arrow during the episode this week, I was just like, oh, this is a so cool good. episode, but man, I'm, <laughs> I feel like, um, I almost feel like this is, uh, what was it, Captain America, the first Avenger, where they might as well call it Captain America, not yet the Avengers. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, this is cool, but I'm really, really wanting the Avengers. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I rewound it and watched it again because I thought it was super cool. Like, I love the bit where, you know, he's shooting the arrows at him. Barry's like, hi, you missed. And he's like, no, I didn't. Boom. And like, they explode. Oh, so good. Yeah. Dude. Or he gets shot in the back. He's like, ow. And he's like, I heard you heal fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so many good quips and one-liners. You know, I don't care that it's not Justice League. I don't care. I just, no. I'm super excited to see this episode. I, man, here is an interesting reality that we live in today. We are actually going to get a flash, a live action flash versus arrow before we get a live action Batman versus Superman. That's very interesting. I don't like, you know, macro level. I don't know how I feel about that, but looking at this very specific moment in time, I'm so excited for it. Dude, I, I already calling it next season is going to be instead of flash versus arrow, it's going to be uh, world's finest. And we'll see that on TV before we see it on big screen. Uh, could be, could be. It's a Brave and the Bold, though. I mean, you know. That's what I meant to say, Brave and the Bold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you didn't know, this is going to guest star Stephen Emile, who is uh, Oliver Queen, Emily Bett Rickards, who is Felicity Smoke, David Ramsey, who is Diggle, and from what we hear, Diggle's reactions to all things Flash is going to be hilarious. Oh, excellent. Now, Diggle, you got to think of him very much as kind of like the Han Solo. He's not, uh -oh. you know, like all this kind of big stuff happening around him, and he's going to be like, what? You know, <laughs> come on. Hokey religions and ancient weapons exactly. are no match for a good blaster at your side. Exactly. That's going to be Diggle. So I'm excited for this. Um, and we should definitely enjoy it because from what we're hearing, there will not be really any more crossovers in the near future after this. Oh, that's sad. Is it, though? Because I feel like we've really been enjoying what we've gotten thus far out of Flash. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, it, it, it'll depend. Once I, see the, once I see this crossover, I'll tell you how sad I'll be that we don't see any more for a while because I have a feeling this is going to be really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, you're right on the same token. I want to see more about HG Wells and kind of figure that plot line out as well. So, you know, it's, uh, it's bittersweet, I guess. Plus it's not as special if it doesn't, I mean, like if it happens all the time, it's just not going to be as special. True. You know, you can't, uh, the, the, the only reason people watch Charlie Brown Christmas specials because it comes on during Christmas. That's true. And the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yeah. And like, uh, 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 the Thanksgiving one is never very good. Have you seen the, the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving? No. It's not as uh, iconic as the other two. 
Yeah, and there's also a Christmas story. You know, that movie comes on 24 hours a day on Thanksgiving. Or not Thanksgiving. On, uh, actually, they do play it on Thanksgiving now. I hate that movie. You hate that movie? I know I'm like the only person in America who hates that movie, but I hate that movie. Why do you hate that movie? I just the, I just don't like it. I don't like it. It's just because you're <clears throat> mad that you never got a duck for Thanksgiving no, Christmas it's not, dinner. No, it, it's not funny. I, I don't. <laughs> I just don't like it. I think it's stupid. I think that movie is incredibly, incredibly stupid. Uh, but that's okay. That's okay. That's just me. Um, also, on Flash versus Arrow, not a Christmas story, um, <laughs> we do know that more than one secret will be revealed. So this is going to be a pretty epic moment in the life cycle of this series and in the lives of Mr. Barry Allen. So I'm pretty sure I know what the secret's going to be. What do you think it's going to be? Since this is the spoiler section... Um... Actually, you know what? There's something else I don't want to talk about as right. well. So I, I, I think the secret here, I think we're going to learn the identity of the reverse Flash. Uh, uh, and we have very strong reasons to believe that that's not the case, actually. Well, I, I thought I read a quote somewhere that's saying that we were going to learn that soon. Mm, we are going to see the reverse Flash soon. The Man in the Yellow Suit, I believe, is actually the movie that, that or the movie, <laughs> it feels like a movie, the, uh, the episode that actually takes place after this one. Oh, and that's right. That's episode nine. We will see the reverse Flash but we won't actually see who it is. He's going to blur his face like Barry does. That's right. That's and he'll be blur, you know, he'll be doing the voice thing. We'll never actually see who he is, and neither will the characters. Okay, so never mind. I scratched that for the record. <laughs> okay. However, I will say this, though. Uh, since this is a spoiler section, this isn't necessarily a spoiler for the next episode, but in that same article thing we are talking about where uh, we're going to see the reverse flash in episode nine. Right. It talks about Caitlin, Cisco, and Harrison Wells all devise a trap to try to catch the reverse Flash. Yeah, of course they did. Which is very interesting. Is it? Well, if, if H.G. Wells is reverse Flash. Is it? What, you think he's, like, trapping himself? No, I think he's going to invent a trap that's not going to work. But it makes it seem like they're all battling him together. Like, you know... Are it, they? Maybe... <laughs> I don't know. He is really fast. Maybe he can just like run back and forth and like, you know, fight Barry and then go. I don't think they're going to be present, man. I think it's going to be, they're going to be all up in the, um, you know, in, in star labs working on the, the makeshift, whatever that Barry's supposed to use. I don't think they're going to be out in the field on this one. Okay. And I think that what's going to end up happening is, uh, Harrison Wells gonna be like, Oh, I'm going to need to go and uh, check on the defibrillator machine that does things for stuff. And, <laughs> All of and a sudden, then, he's gone, and, you know, hey, yeah, Reverse Flash just showed up. Yeah, you know, Caitlin's going to be looking at there. It's like, why is it every time that Harrison Wells leaves <laughs> the room, Barry's vitals just drop? <laughs> <laughs> wait, you seem to be winning. I can't see him anywhere. Harrison just walked in the door. Oh, hey, guys, anybody got any water? Oh, wait, I'll, I think it's in the other room. I'll be right back. All right, I think it's fine. Oh, wait, he's back now. Oh, poof, 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 poof. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Yeah, that's uh, funny. All well, right. Anyway, yeah. So, so definitely looking forward to episode eight. It's gonna be a blast. Absolutely, man. Well, anyway, for more Flashtastic awesomeness, tune in next week to Flash TV Talk. Flashtastic outro. Copyright Matt SC. A member of the Pottery Network. For more information on this and other shows, please visit pottery.com. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.